Good morning. Thank you so much for a warm welcome this morning. I am having a great time already. You guys are very good at saying hello, at welcoming people who come in your doors. So thank you for that. My name is Andrea, as Adrian said, but if you call me Adrian, no problem. I will not hold it against you. So I want to just relieve you of that stress right now. I'm a friend and colleague of Dave's, and he was actually one of the first people that I met in Seattle when I moved here four years ago, a little over four years ago, and also a friend of Adrian's, so it's just a pleasure to lead worship with her and to be here this morning. I most recently served Lake Forest Park Presbyterian Church, just a little ways from you, and finished up my call at the beginning of March. So I'm in between calls, and I get to spend time with you this morning in John 21. I'm going to read kind of a long passage, but I promise you it's a good passage. It's John 21 verses 1 through 17. And before we read, let us pray together. Holy Spirit, we know that you speak through this word. And so we open up our ears we open up our eyes to what you would say to us this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are risen and here among us as we worship you this morning. So speak now, Lord, we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John 21, 1 through 17. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were there together. I'm going out to fish, said Peter. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood there by the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. 
And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time if he loved him. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. There's this scene that I love in an old movie called Babette's Feast. It's a 1987 movie, I believe, where this austere religious sect, I think in Denmark, brings in an eccentric cook from Paris named Babette. And one day Babette wins the lottery, but instead of taking her lottery money and buying a train ticket back to Paris and restarting her life there, she spends all of this money on an elaborate meal for this small religious sect. This meal has many courses and each course is better than the last course. The wine perfectly complements the food. And as this small sect sits around a big table, there's about 12 of them, throughout the course of this meal, they had vowed to not say a word about the food. They didn't want to fall into this temptation of overindulgence. But after about the fifth or sixth course, they can't help themselves. It's so good. And they just start to utter these little words of gratitude, of appreciation. And then you see towards the end of the meal, a miraculous thing happen in that two of the people who had held a grudge against each other for a very long time, they start to forgive, they start to open up towards one another. And two other people who had been in love for a very long time, but hadn't been wanting to admit it, start to profess their love for each other. In other words, in the course of this meal, they start to reform bonds that hadn't been possible before this meal. And in our text this morning, Peter is about to experience a moment like this with Jesus. This isn't the first time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples. I think here at Emmanuel, you've recently been looking at some of the other times. 
In the chapters before Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene, to a group of frightened disciples, to Thomas, who missed out on that other moment with Jesus. In this third time that Jesus reveals himself after the crucifixion, it's to Peter and these six other disciples who are by the Sea of Galilee. They go out to fish at night, as was the custom in that day. But I have to ask in this story, what is Peter doing fishing? He's a leader too, because when he says, I'm going out to fish, everyone says, well, we'll go with you. But he's just been through a trauma. His friend Jesus was crucified and tortured. And he's seen signs that maybe Jesus isn't in the grave. He's just been through one shock after another. And Peter's here fishing. Perhaps in this uncertain time of transition, sometimes when we're uncertain, we go back to what we know, right? They'd hoped that Jesus wouldn't have to die on a cross, that he would be a victorious leader, and yet he was crucified. They didn't know what was next. They were in between times. They didn't know what the future would hold. They had no way of knowing what the future church would look like. They left their lives, they left their jobs as fishermen to follow Jesus. And here they were in this uncertain time. I think we sometimes wait for Jesus to reveal himself in these high and lofty places like a meditation retreat or a sermon, or after we've attended a 12-week Bible study. We sometimes wait for Jesus to reveal himself in peaceful and serene places, and he does certainly reveal himself there. But also Jesus reveals himself in our everyday lives, in our messy lives, in our uncertain times. Fishing for Peter was just his job, what he did, what he knew how to do. Maybe fishing was even his Netflix. Maybe it was this way to tune out and escape the stress, the trauma. And so I ask you, friends, this morning, what is your fishing hole? Where are those places that are maybe messy and uncertain? Is it in an office? Is it doing dishes? Is it making the third meal of the day? Is it talking with neighbors or family or friends? Where are those everyday places in our messy lives where you might encounter Jesus? It's actually in your name, Emmanuel Presbyterian Church. God is with us in our everyday lives. However, when Jesus comes to the disciples this morning, they don't recognize him. They don't realize it's him. And he calls out, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answer. And this should surprise us because these guys were fishermen. They knew how to fish. They'd done this before. They should be able to catch something, right? But what had always worked for them before was not working for them now. And so 
they turn to Jesus. So I wonder, is Jesus asking you this morning, friends, haven't you any fish? Where are those places? Sometimes, as in the case of the disciples this morning, I have nothing is the most honest place to start with God. This might be the place of new creative possibilities that you hadn't even dared to imagine. The disciples certainly didn't imagine a net full of 153 fish. He tells them to throw their net on the right side of the boat and they'll find some. And the joke in this text is what they mean by some. (laughs) Some is 153 and the text says large fish. We're not talking little fish like this. And they can't even pull the net in because of the large number of fish. I love how they counted each and every fish as a way to mark God's abundant grace to them. It's easy, I think, for all of us to rely on our own competencies, on what we know, on our skills, but for the mission ahead, for the founding of the church, the disciples are going to need much more than that. They will need to listen to God's voice they will need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And at the sight of all these fish, the disciple whom Jesus loves turns to Peter and says, it is the Lord. And Peter does something surprising that I can't quite make sense of. He wraps his clothes around him and he jumps into the water. (laughs) Meeting the Lord will always result in unexpected events, in unexpected and unusual sometimes actions. Peter is far from perfect, but he's jumping anyway. Granted, he, we know, is a passionate guy. He has a history of being emotional. Remember, this is the same Peter who cut off the guard's ear And his relationship with Jesus has not always been an easy one, has it? All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record Peter's perhaps greatest failure. After making sweeping declarations like, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And I will not fall away. And I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. When it actually comes down to it, at the very moment that his friend Jesus, the one whom he loves so much, is being questioned and falsely accused, Peter stands by a fire and he disowns Jesus. At the moment when Jesus maybe needs him the most, Peter won't be associated with him. He follows at a distance and he denies their relationship And he lets a rooster tell the truth about his fidelity. So Peter's out fishing, and perhaps he is processing his shame when he sees the Lord and he just jumps. The other disciples follow the wet Peter and Jesus in a boat towing this net full of fish. 
that somehow doesn't break. And when they arrive, they see that Jesus has gotten the fire ready. Where is that place in your life, I wonder, where you feel like you may be disqualified from following Jesus? Jesus invites you to the fire this morning. For Peter, the scene of the fire was a place of deep shame. And here, Jesus builds a new fire. What Jesus does next is not what we might expect in the text. Jesus makes breakfast. Breakfast, not a lecture. Breakfast, not a, I told you so. I told you I would be raised from the dead. Breakfast, not even a sending out or a commissioning, not even a mandate yet. Just Jesus invites Peter to the table. At the very place of Peter's brokenness and failure, God builds a fire of friendship and healing for Peter. A shared meal in that culture and custom was a place of hospitality, of welcome, of acceptance. And Jesus's four simple words, come and have breakfast, are an invitation to restored relationship. I'm pointing to the table, you have a beautiful table, because we may think of this as a Eucharistic event, I think. Even though there's no wine, Jesus will feed the disciples first before he asks them to feed anyone else. Jesus has fed them and the whole world with his broken body for them and his blood shed for them. And Jesus has given himself also for Peter. Jesus knows Peter's story, just as Jesus knows each one of ours. And as they eat this meal with Jesus around the fire, I imagine Peter looking at that fire and thinking of that terrible night by another fire where Jesus looked at him and the rooster crowed. Yet here he sits with the risen Jesus, the risen Jesus, and he eats the bread and the fish prepared by Jesus himself. And as he does so, he receives this forgiveness that Jesus offers to the whole world, certainly, but to him personally, too. The layers of shame are peeled back one by one. And in this final scene of our text this morning, I believe that we're looking at an intimate moment between Jesus and Peter, not a test. In other words, Jesus doesn't need Peter to repeat three times that he loves him like we might ask a child to write 50 times on the blackboard, I will not throw spit wads. That's not what's happening here. No, Jesus asks perhaps the most vulnerable question that any person can ask another. Do you love me? Do you love me is so tender and so vulnerable because the answer can always be no. Love requires a risk. By definition, it means putting yourself out there. And God, this is the good news this morning. 
God has put God's self out there for us in the most radical and vulnerable way. Jesus pulls Peter in close where Peter had been at a distance. Peter who once stood at the margins and Jesus says to Peter, I trust you, go love my sheep. As Walter Anderson says, we're never so vulnerable than when we trust someone. But paradoxically, if we cannot trust, neither can we find love or joy. Jesus has called us friends. And in Jesus, we can find both love and joy. Jesus isn't worried about coming on too strong. He's not worried about embarrassing himself here with a silly question. In fact, he asked Peter three times as if to say to Peter over and over again, you are my friend, sit down with me and eat. Let us pray. Father, thank you for inviting us to the table. Thank you for making a fire of friendship for us and an invitation to sit and eat with you. May we be fed by you this morning and you know exactly the ways that each one of us needs to be fed and then sent out from this place to feed your sheep. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.